0: Ser bem-fica. isto é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. Que é que crê, que é mental, que é o o caráter das pessoas. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão é uma explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser o Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser o Benfica. Mas de
1: facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Benfica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasic. With me tonight, Cristiano Oliveira and David de Oliveira. The two Oliveiras. I'll start with Dave. What's happening, Dave de Oliveira? What's going on in Canada?
0: Nothing much. Another heat wave up here, if you could believe it. It's crazy hot, but uh, good to be back on tonight uh, to uh, discussing a, a winning Benfica performance this past week.
1: And the other Oliveira, Cristiano Oliveira, mais conhecido por Tensio 10.
2: Come é que? Malta, tudo bem? How's everyone doing today? Thank you very much for once again tuning into the Benfica podcast. And as you can tell, I'm a little giddy today because we finally won a game. I think it's, you know, it's something that we need to celebrate. Fireworks over the weekend here in the United States of America. Some may tell you it might have been for 4th of July, but I, my friends, will tell you it was... For the victoria do virissimo, caralho. It's about yeah. time we can celebrate a victory, and not only a victory, a two goal victory, something we've done for the very first time in 2020 at the side of the loose. So, very exciting times, and I'm thrilled to be back here once again talking to you, Alfredo, and my man, David. That's right. Uh, Benfica uh,
1: podcast is one of the founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, please check out benficaindependent.com uh, for articles. Podcasts, English, Portuguese, uh, also recaps in Portuguese, following the games live on YouTube. Everything is there. An independent opinion about Benfica at Benfica Independent. Don't don't forget to check out uh, the site that we're proud uh, members of. So as as you heard Cristiano mention on tonight's uh, podcast, we will uh, look back at the Boavista win. Uh, and certainly, uh, if there was episodes that we kind of cringed coming on here to talk about Benfica, this is certainly uh, one that's different uh, since Benfica won their third win in in 14 games. Um, we we'll are also look ahead to Famalicão and Guimarães, two very hard games uh, that are part of what the last uh, five games of the season, correct? Or four games? Of four. The season?
2: Four. I believe four. Right, Dave? There's four games after this. Those five with again with the game, right?
1: Against. So we got Famalicão, uh, Guimarães, then we have Braga and Sporting. Is it Dave? Can you can you check that up real quick? Actually, yep. I have it written you're, right.
2: you're right, you're right, bro. You're right. Fat checker right now. Av,
1: Avs, Avs, and Sporting.
2: Well, I see you're right about Sporting last game, so before. yeah,
1: Boa Vista, Famalicão, Guimarães, Avs, and Sporting is the remaining. Five games that we have, and then we have uh, we do have the Tasa Portugal. So let's get uh, right into this Boa Vista game. Uh, Benfica lined up with Lacodemus in goal, Almeida right back, Diaz and Jardel in the middle of the defense. Uh, Nunta Vargas was on the left in the middle of the park, uh, Weigel and Gabriel on one side of the attack, Pizzi, the other side, Servi, behind uh, Seferovic was Chiquinho. Uh, playing in that number 10 role or the withdrawn forward, uh, if you will. Um, looking at this lineup, uh, first lineup with Verissimo in charge. Last week, we found out that Verissimo would be in charge for this game. And subsequently, we then found out today that he will be in charge of the team uh, until the end of the season. If he officially announced that. Uh, but really, you look at at, at this, this uh, lineup, and the first thing that comes to mind is that with Servi. And Seferovic is a team that is going to put in the work in terms of covering the field and defending.
2: What was your take? Were you surprised not to see Rafa in the lineup? And yeah, absolutely. You- that's exactly where I was going to start. I was really surprised not to see Rafa in the lineup considering this is a young, a young coach, You know, a guy that's really trying to get the feel for things. I know he's been an assistant on the Bruno, uh, Bruno Lage at Benfica, but... Normally, when the new coach, especially an interim coach, comes in, they tend to, 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 to feel their strongest eleven. and I was really surprised not to see Vinicius included in that as well. But you know what? Maybe this guy this guy has been paying a little bit of attention over the last couple of weeks, considering Nun Tavares has been a travesty defending, and he said, you know, we might sacrifice a little offense with Rafa to get a little bit more defensive help in Serving, helping out Nun Tavares, because we're going to need it. So it's kind of like the old mantra. If you don't concede, you don't lose. Yeah uh and they've uh
1: Boavista actually started they had a, probably a very good 10 minutes in which they pressed high they held benfica back uh and benfica was struggled to come out of their half uh benfica gets on the scoreboard in the 13th minute as a result of a fortuitous goal a long ball by gabriel uh that kind of leaves the keeper in no man's land the keeper uh, misses the ball ends up Colliding with Andre Almeida, who is pretty static, Uh, Andre Almeida gathered the ball, was able to angle the ball and and put the the ball in. Uh, And certainly, Dave, for a Benfica team who has uh, been struggling with scoring goals and and converting the opportunities, they couldn't have wished for a better start.
0: Yeah, for sure. And kind of like we've mentioned in past podcasts here, they haven't been able to get that lucky uh, goal early in the beginning of the matches. And the longer that these uh, these games go against these smaller clubs, uh, the smaller clubs catch uh, Benfica on the counterattack and uh, end up putting one behind us. But yeah, luckily this match here felt like that was the biggest difference was that uh, Benfica was able to get that quick goal in this uh, this match, put a little take a little pressure off them, play more of their style. Bovista has to then uh, open up a little bit and uh, can't uh, just defend and park the bus but uh even though the first ten minutes of the game, like you had uh mentioned uh it was still a very shaky uh, benfica that we've been used to seeing these uh this last stretch here, but they got their their lucky bounce uh this game and uh they were able to open up and play uh their their style of football uh going forward
1: and, yeah and, and chris certainly with with verissimo taking over verissimo being uh, uh the the assistant coach for for Laje uh, and also uh, Verissimo saying in his pregame uh, post uh, pregame conference that there wasn't going to be much change and his beliefs were in line with what Laje uh, had for the team really didn't see much uh, but how much do you think the difference was the fact that Benfica converted uh on on the opportunities albeit fortuitous even Pizzi's goal was a little bit of a rarity uh long ball again uh pizzi with with the header to the to the far post and able to beat uh, Helton health and late who at that point had already made a a couple handful of, of very good saves
2: yeah i mean i'll start with 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 the comment by verissimo in a pregame uh, uh, press conference regarding the his beliefs are more you know more or less in line with brunlage which to me that is the dumbest thing he's ever said or is that a you know, a shot of, of support for Bruno Lodge, a coach that just, you know, that some may tell you he stepped down and others may tell you that he got fired. So I, I don't understand why he would say that in, in my personal opinion, because as we've seen over the last couple of months here, the wheels have definitely fallen off the, bandwa- uh, the bandwagon. And uh, I'm not sure I'd want to make a statement like that, you know, that that, that basically my, t- my thinking as a coach is it stands with, with, you know, basically the same processes that we saw with, with Lodge. Now, that being said, yes, Benfica had, um, couple opportunities. Federovik clearly missed a couple opportunities early on. One of them shot wide. Uh, did Helton get a hand on that, guys? Do you recall the one,
0: the yeah. breakaway? He he tipped it over back. the the bar.
2: No, that's not the breakaway. I'm talking about the shot. He shot it wide to, to the goalkeeper's left, and then the very next one was the one he was kind of on a break when he tried to chip it over him, and and yeah. Helton Helton later was able to to snag it behind him and, and and knock it just wide. So they did have a couple opportunities, and to me. This things couldn't have gone any better for 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 a young coach, as I stated earlier, in Verissimo getting that early goal, especially after as as you guys mentioned before, uh, coming out and starting the game a little bit under pressure. Well, we still definitely had a better play early on, and then all of a sudden you get that fortuitous goal. Um, and as a go as a new coach man I mean that that's a perfect that's a dream start for you because it alleviates the pressure obviously uh coach getting fired you know the players if if at least we like to think so that these guys have some self-respect that they were feeling um you know the the embarrassment of getting their coach fired whether you believe that they set them up or not but still at the end of the day it's still something that goes on your resume that's two coaches now they're gone within um a year of each other and some may point the fingers directly at you for getting rid of the coach. So. Um, you know the players came out, played well. Started the game uh, a little rusty, but then once once they got things going, they they you know they started putting the ball in the back of the net. We got to see a uh, one of those throwback performances by Gabriel. It's about time he finally got to play that and you know play that way. That's the the Gabriel we all expected to see here, uh, especially after coming back from that injury. Unfortunately, my boy Trapt is not fit, and Gabriel's pretty much been starting in his place. Because uh, right now it's pretty much Gabriel Ort alongside the fantastic Weigel, Weigo, Weigel, whatever however we pronounce his name. He's been absolutely lights out since the, the restart here from the from the COVID situation. So hey, look, all in all, pretty good first half. Definitely could have scored a couple of more. Uh, but there's 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 still a lot of question marks regarding attitudes and stuff like that that we could get into a little bit later on. And I'll leave that for our freedom.
1: Yeah, Gabriel with uh, with two uh, assists in that first half and and also a goal in the dying uh, minutes of the half. he uh, went up three nothing. Uh, but here's uh, here's three names that that I look up that I look at and, and perhaps not not Gabriel so much but uh, uh, Almeida and Pizzi, right and and this is my own personal opinion and I'm not saying that you guys share this but certainly Almeida and Pizzi, uh, guys that are leaders in the locker room. Uh, that perhaps uh, were instrumental on whether or not the the players did this on purpose for Laos to get fired. Uh, But you see Almeida going up, uh, getting a couple opportunities, getting a goal. Also, Pizzi, who would have absolutely been horrific uh, these past uh, past games, uh, getting on a scoreboard. And Gabriel, too. Uh, Gabriel, who uh, was a guy that at times uh, was criticized by the fans, didn't really fit in there with uh weigel and uh and tarabt uh but you see three guys that are instrumental in this in this win by benfica that are perhaps at the at the center of, of the controversy between the the team or the disconnect between uh Laje and and the team and as, as Cristiano mentioned also gabriel who hadn't had really gone through a poor Spell of, of form uh, coming back and, and showing a, a vintage display as as Cristiano uh, mentioned. So three nothing, Benfica goes into the locker room. Look, uh, I don't think Benfica could have wished um, for anything better. But they've uh, we've often seen those uh, those two nothing, three nothing leads uh, disappear as it was in Portimonense. How uh, did you feel confident uh, going into the second half that Benfica had this wrapped up? Or was there still a little bit of a doubt in in your mind to 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 see if Bafika was going to be able to see this game out?
0: No, I I was pretty confident at halftime just because we did have that three goal cushion. Uh, you could tell that the players, as soon as that first goal went in, the it was like a big sigh of relief and a big weight taken off these uh, players' shoulders. They could relax, play more of their their style of game, and I I really did wasn't. Uh, too concerned about how Bovista was, uh was pushing up. So um, it's hard to say whether or not these players uh play better themselves uh that Laj wasn't there or if they just got luck that lucky bounce and and they uh they could play with a little bit less pressure on them. But um yeah I wasn't I wasn't uh too worried about a Budvista comeback at halftime.
2: Was your confidence level as high as uh, Portimonense going into the half, or, or was it lower? Like, you know, your Fendu Pau, like our boys at
0: Bifika do, where was your Fendu Pau going into the halftime? Comparable to the or higher? No, higher, higher, higher confidence in this game higher compared high. to, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So Boavista did claw one back in the 64th minute, again, from a dead ball situation. And the guy that's in charge of of the dead ball situations, which is Verissimo, who's in charge of the team now, continues to struggle to find solutions for Benfica not to give up uh, goals on dead ball situations. And and at this point, Chris, every time there's a a free kick near the, the box, it almost seems like it's a penalty opportunity for the other team.
2: And that's why, to me, the appointment of uh, I like to call him Fabio Verissimo, but it's Nelson Verissimo. The appointment of Nelson. <laughs> Fabio Verissimo, is the coach. And, and Fabio's the ref. Yes, and there wasn't there another Verissimo that used to play back in the days, and he got hurt, and he he had a heart problem with Benfica B or whatever. He had to he, had, he played at the youth national team. I forget his name now. I'll I'll get to that, but I could have sworn it was the same guy. Whatever, a very similar name. But that's why. Getting back to the point. That's why the appointment of Verissimo as the interim coach for the rest of the season was so puzzling because I believe he was the guy that on set pieces would stand up there like an NFL defensive coordinator and gave all the defensive schemes and and, and orders and instructions on what to do, and he was also the defensive, quote-unquote, mastermind for Lash. So, I mean, some of us, I'm not going to say no names, but some of us could sit here and speculate and, and, and start, some, you know, new smoke or fire, I should say, start some fire. And, and conspiracy theory. Did he himself set Brunelage up? Because, like, as you said, every time there was a set piece, it was like, because here it comes. I mean, it, it, it boggled my mind when he was the guy that was appointed because of the lack of defensive prowess that Benfica had shown over the last couple of months. It's just, like you stated, it's, it wasn't pretty. It was very nerve-wracking, and but look, it worked for him, and whatever the hell he did, uh, it must have impressed someone giving up all those goals. Dave, you have the stats there on goals allowed. I mean, they've given up a tremendous amount of goals on set pieces, unlike any other Benfica teams that I haven't seen in quite a while.
0: Yeah, 15 goals given away from set pieces, uh, six from corners, four from penalties, and five from uh, free kicks. And there was one in the first half as well that was called back uh, Boavish's goal
2: yeah.
0: uh, was called back for being offside, but that also came from uh, a set piece as well. But maybe they uh, they appointed Varismu instead of uh, Paiva that uh, we discussed last week, that Paiva uh, might have more of the credibilities to uh, be a coach, uh, an interim coach here. But I don't think Benfica has that luxury of going back to uh, a youth coach, right? They use that card with Laj and if we uh, we had success, but I don't think that Benfica can go back uh, to the well and use another uh, youth coach. And what if we we get successful on this? I think they got to go for a more experienced coach uh, going forward, and that's why they went with Verismo instead of uh, Piva pa- uh, in this uh, decision here. I know last week
2: I was not for the for the the latter part of the podcast, and I I wasn't able to give you my thoughts. But I I, I actually Dave, I don't think that was the case. I think it's more of What's his name? Um, you just mentioned him. Uh, Paiva. Paiva. Renato Paiva. Renato Paiva is a quality coach. And I think that in, in, in Luis Riviera's mind, he's, he's dead set on who he wants to manage this club, regardless of who the interim coach was, regardless of the success or in successes of the interim coach. And there was no point or reason to go ahead and take Renato Paiva out of a crucial position, which is to develop youngsters. For a six-game trial or five-game trial, five cup, five league games and Atasa Portugal, there was no reason. I think that's the reason why. Because if this was, you know, a longer stretch of the season, there was a lot more games. I mean, Fico was still really in the fight here for the for for the championship. I think then maybe Renato Paiva would have been would have ta- you know would have been they would have taken him into deeper consideration. I think other head coaches would have been into deeper consideration. I just think that for five game. For for a five game period, there was no point in burning a, a coach. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that they went there before and it's worked or didn't work. Because look, in reality, it did work. They were down seven and they were able to overturn it. Bruno Lodge did a fantastic job in his first twenty games. He won nineteen of them. He, it worked. You know what I mean? It just. I think it was more of a. Let's not burn this spade when we don't have to right now. And not to contradict you, Dave, you get what I'm saying? We, you know, yeah, it's just I I agree with that point as,
0: as well. There's less risk in in uh, appointing Verissimo than
2: uh, because regardless of whether he wins or not, he's gone. Because I have yeah. my mindset on who I want who I want at the end of the year. And and realistically, the way the team's been playing, they're like, bro, we got five games to go. Is Porto really going to blow a six point with the tiebreaker, seven point lead? I I don't. Let's just look. We'll use this guy for now. It is what it is. We don't have to give anyone a new contract. He stays the same pay wage, right? If you bring in five, you probably got to, you know, bump his contract. So it's just like, look, we'll keep you in place. Let's run out the season. And then at the end of the season, we'll bring in the right guy for the job, the guy who I've wanted all along. And uh, I think there was a lot of that in that decision.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and throughout uh, for as long as I can remember, Benfica's always had guys within – uh, the technical staff that have taken over as caretakers, right? Whether it was uh, Shalana, whether it was Tony, whether it was Pietra, Marty whether Wilson. even Mari Wilson is that
2: uh, was the that was the baby him and Tony, the two ba- biggest yeah. babies yeah. of our
1: time. Those are the guys that uh, you know that came in and and as as firemen, if you will, uh, were able to to rescue the team, or able to do that bridge until the next coach uh, uh, comes up. So. I, I think that perhaps maybe Verissimo and, and understanding that Verissimo is a guy that Vieira has known for a, for a long time, as they've mentioned last uh, last week last week's podcast, uh, that he knows him from Alverca. He played for for Benfica. Uh, perhaps uh, he looks at him as probably one of those guys that can make uh, the bridge. Uh, but the, the the biggest thing in, that I wanted to to mention is that at the end of the game, uh, every player that spoke to the mic. Uh, Jardel spoke uh, right after the game. Gabriel spoke. Uh, Verissim then spoke also. All of them three had uh, kind words for for Brunelage. Uh, very uh, a camaraderie, if you if you will, words of encouragement, words of of uh, being grateful. Um, and at this point, it, you know, I I have to think uh, that if there's there was a, a camaraderie. Uh, and a connection between the players and the coach. Why let the coach go? Especially because at in his last game at Maritim, we heard and it was it came out in a meeting uh, in the media that Bruno Lajet said it doesn't seem like anybody wants me here. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to think, I'm trying to to bridge the gap here and, and find out what changed from uh, it doesn't seem like anybody wants me here. Uh, to now Verissim Jardel, which is a captain, and Gabriel, which was instrumental in this game, saying uh, that we're very thankful for Brun Lodge and everything that he's done. And all the work that was done in this game was a
2: continuation of Lodge's work. I'm just trying to put two and two together. That's why I was so annoyed that I had the misfortune on my internet, whatever. Finally, I, I got the feel what Steve Felt with the internet. And I wasn't able to come back on last week's podcast. Uh, because I had so much to say And, and I had so many questions to ask And you know me Alfredo And you guys listen to the Bifiga podcast over the years you No know, I, I I could always come up with a question or two uh, Especially with BS But that being said it, it was very contradicting The whole situation Lodge comes out That you know I'm with the team And then all of a sudden Luis Riviera is the one at the press Stepping up to the press conference And he's you know Oh he's demoted And then you look at the fact that they're trying to reach an agreement to buy him out of his contract where if you resign, you basically walk away from your There's so many contradicting factors here. And now you see the, the the players. I mean, obviously, look, the players, I don't anticipate that, you know, or expect them to say anything else, right? They, they're not going to say, look, we burned the coach. We're happy he's gone. They're going to show support and say, look, uh, it sucks. We love Bruno. But it's more from the comments by, by, by his assistant coach. He's either a company man or he's a guy that really believes and feels badly for what's happened to Bruno Lodge because there's so many contradicting points here regarding this whole situation. And, and I know that come 10 years down the line, hopefully you know, we'll get a tell all book by Brun Lodge and we'll see what the situation is because maybe just maybe there's uh, someone, a higher power uh, who might, some might even call with dictatorship powers, right? That, that maybe has a lot more to do with, with these decisions uh, than, than, than are let out on that we anticipate. Yeah. <laughs> Dave.
0: Yeah, so, I was just gonna I uh, just gonna add on to that. It, it's it's gonna be interesting to see whether or not it was the players uh against Laj and then Vieta had to make a decision or whether or not it was the players in Laj that weren't ha- uh happy with Vieta's decision and Vieta came down, uh it's easier like we said, it's easier to get rid of one coach than it is to get a, a full squad, but yeah, I'll wait for that 30 for 30 to come out about uh, the collapse of this season uh, in 10 years from now. Yeah. Or
2: Portuguese, it'll be... Uh, what is it, Alfredo? I'm Trito.
0: sorry. No,
2: no, no. It'll be the... The, <laughs> uh, the por, one por, like... Sport mor- TV. Oh, the Memorias. What, it means. what yeah. is it? The one? <laughs> it's on YouTube.
1: They used to do it on Benfica TV. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. A uh, oh, uh, fat checker.
2: Help us out. It's uh patrimony
1: patrimony and something else.
2: Yeah, what yeah. no it? I and pat- patrimony. Yeah. Viv- no, but attention, no matrimony. Patrimony. All right.
1: Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, something, yeah, everybody knows what I, we're talking about, but uh, it, it's just uh, you know, if the intent was to kind of give this team a jolt uh, by firing Lage uh, in the chic, chicado psicológico, as they, they call it in, in Portuguese,
2: uh, why keep a guy that was his assistant? Should have been done after Tondela. If that was your intention, should have been done after the, the, the Tondela game because now you still have an opportunity to to, to realistically win the title. Where yeah. I stated before, with five games to go, seven point lead, six point with the tiebreaker, which turns it into a seven point lead, is just an astronomical number to see. Uh, or to overcome with five games to go. So if it was going to happen, it should have been with nine games to go, not five games. So I don't understand. That's something. Again, it'll be in the vitores y patrimonios later on. It'll be hopefully it'll be on that episode produced by our very own Benfica TV. That'll be a kick to the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should... D- Dave.
1: Some uh, some numbers on this uh, Boavista game, so we could recap. If Cristiano doesn't have anything else to say about this game, uh,
0: uh,
2: well, I do. I do. I got a question. But go ahead, Dave.
0: No, I was just going to uh, say Almeida's fourth goal of the season. He's got more goals than uh, Seferovic does in uh, league competition. Seferovic <laughs> only has uh, three. Almeida has four. Uh, we went over the set-piece stat and uh, Benfica's first win at the Estadio de Luz since uh, February 4th against uh, Familico And uh, like Chris said, Benfica's first uh, two-goal victory of 2020. And
1: look, everything was so nice uh, when Benfica was losing points uh, you didn't hear a peep from up north. Uh, and as soon as Benfica wins the game, everybody now is criticizing Elton late because apparently Elton late's already been signed by Benfica or that Benfica, or, or Benfica uh, signed Elton late right after the game. But Dave, you got an interesting stat on, on Elton late.
0: Yeah. He was just uh, selected as the Liga knowledge goalkeeper for the month of June uh, in five games. He had uh, 17 shots stopped and uh, two clean sheets His last two games haven't gone well for him against Benfica and Porto, but um, yeah, for uh, and considering his blunder that he had at the first uh, the first goal there, he did make a couple of uh, key important saves there that could have really blown this game open to like a five or six nothing uh, scoreline. But uh, yeah, was uh, was uh, impressed by Helton Leighton.
2: But that was going to be my question, guys. Going to be my question to you guys was going to be: What did you guys think of Elton Leighton's performance? What did you guys think about the whole? news breaking two days prior to the game that Benfica was going to sign him as soon as the final whistle will be over that he's going to finalize his deal to Benfica. And I'll give my thoughts before you guys go ahead and give yours. It just, it makes no sense. I don't understand why Benfica runs business like this. Even if it's an honest deal, you see a mistake. Hopefully it was an honest mistake by by Elton late on that first goal when Real made the goal. And, and, And by making that stupid announcement, by making that public it's going to open up a huge can of worms. I don't understand who who generates these news clippings from the club, who generates all this stuff that comes out. It just makes absolutely no sense because now, of course, look, if the same thing happened to Fulco de Porto, we'd all be questioning on a goal like that. And it could be, look, it might might very well have been an innocent mistake, but we would have been questioning it, guys. And I have to be fair. If that happened to Porto, we all would have been questioning so, Please, man, in the future, if you're going to do any type of these signings, keep this as hush-hush as possible. Don't leak this out to the press. It makes absolutely no sense, man.
1: Yeah, but the the, the name Elton Late was something that had already been associated to, uh,
2: with Benfica before yes. even COVID broke. Fine, but why? It's kind of like throws me back to the Fuoco to, do to, to Porto. Uh, again. Where at halftime they decide to pay these guys a debt for four years ago. I mean, fuck! Like, what? What? What happened? You went to buy a hot chocolate or or be funny, and you saw oh, shit. I got all this extra money in my pocket. You know, I'm here. I might as well pay my bill. I mean, come on. I mean, it just looks dirty. It looks bad. Yeah. And this reminds me of the same thing. Look, we all know the hell, late for for months now. It's been rumored in the press that he was most likely going to sign for Benfica. But why make an announcement? Why let it be known that the deal is going to be finalized after the game? It just makes absolutely no sense. Yeah,
1: no, it's just uh, like you said, it's it's the way Benfica chooses to to uh, to run their business, and then you can't expect to not be criticized when you operate in this manner. Very simple. Uh, and, and look, uh, it was it was publicized by record. I didn't I didn't read an official word from from the team saying that Elton Lites is now it. A Benfica player, but certainly Record had that both him and Taremi uh, from Rioav on their cover as Benfica signings. Uh, Benfica didn't come out and said currently there's there's nothing confirmed. We find these players interesting, but there's nothing confirmed. So Benfica kind of allowed the public to make their own opinion, and then when you have a game like that and a goal, which I think it's it's a complete innocent uh, innocent mistake from Helton late. Uh, and then when you see the rest of the, the game that he had, certainly uh, you could you could see that the guy wasn't really uh, playing to allow Benfica to score. Uh, but certainly Benfica, by not uh, denying a uh, record, really opened themselves up. But I never understood
2: that in the first place. Why is it that Alfredo Fumasas is rumored to go to Benfica, they choose to deny that. Cristiano Oliveira is rumored to go to Benfica, and they ignore it. Well, you know, what? W- What's the difference in picking and choosing? Why deny yours? You know Alfredo, Fama, but not the fight Cristiano oliveda What's what's the decision be? What's the decision making behind that? You either deny them all, or you just ignore them all and let everybody speculate. There's I no consistency. There's yeah. no consistency in the it's, communication. Because even the, because the, even if you're not interested and you don't deny Cristiano Oliveira, the fact that you didn't deny, but you deny Alfredo, or vice versa, you get what yeah. I'm saying. Now, oh shit, there could be truth behind it. Just. I, Man.
1: It, I mean, it could have been very simple. Benfica could have just just said, uh, we find the player, Elton later an interesting player and a player that has tremendous talent. Well, but it, the yeah, but at, at this point, we have nothing to confirm in terms of signing. That's it. That's all you need to say. You kind of put that uh, to bed. Uh, but instead, you kind of open yourself up for this. Um, so a good, uh, and I think deserved three points, and, and certainly uh, for someone who wants to see Benfica uh see out this season uh certainly my expectations of winning this title uh are kind of probably one two percent uh Considering how this league has gone and how many points both Porto and, and Bifica have lost. So I don't have much hope that Bifico could turn this around and win the championship. But what I do ho- hope, and, and as I mentioned last podcast is that the players that wear the Benfica Jersey and that step on that field uh, every single uh, game, they represent the, the shirt and they uh, honor uh, the shirt and also honor the the, the fan base. So I was glad that Benfica won the three points, and perhaps this will now uh, carry momentum to finish up the league, wrap up uh, the Champions League uh, playoff uh, qualifier, that uh, we could do that with uh, with the win next. Uh, over the of Portugal. No, 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 but I'm, I'm saying we, with three points against Famalicão, which is the next game, we could wrap up that spot and then build that momentum for the next four games of the season and carry it into the Taça de Portugal and at least salvage some of the season by winning the Taça de Portugal, which is a trophy that we don't win as much as we should. Uh, but up next...
2: Wait, I just wanted to give a right. shout-out to Cascóis. At the start of the lose, I thought they did a phenomenal job. They made themselves present and uh, just wanted to With say... The uh, Cascóis, if you didn't... If you didn't pay attention, I paid attention to you guys, and you know I I value you guys. Thank you very much for being out there. You paid attention,
0: or you paid for one of the the scarves that were in the. I, I paid attention. I'm glad
2: that you know they stuck through this with this team through thick and thin. You know, when a lot of people criticized, they were there. They showed up, and they didn't turn around. They didn't go home. They showed up to watch this game. So they, they stayed through.
1: They stayed through the whole game. Cristiano, yeah. uh, yes. we often we often hear about uh, these guys that go to the side the lose, and and some of our friends, uh, Pete Picado. Uh, they all have their little items that are are lucky items, right so at what point does Benfica burn these cash coins? because this and this this back to playing has been so bad for Benfica and those cash coins are certainly associated with the poor performance inside of the or,
2: or, don't see i don't I didn't, I didn't follow through with the cash call thing or, or is everyone going to get it back individually no. or are they just going to keep it? Oh, so they're burning what are they doing? Keeping them. They're giving it to the to the needy. I don't know. I it's, like, it's like it's like every, when we see the Super Bowl T shirts. We turn on in Africa and they see you know one of those donate. I don't, we see wearing New York Jets Super Bowl champions in 1997 and it's like 1969. I, They're yeah. gonna see. I don't know what's gonna happen. I think that every fan, from what I
1: understand, bought. A cash call to be displayed So I don't know if at the
2: in their own. their I thought, because there's different There's old ones, there's new ones I thought they mailed in their cash call off right It could over. be, so I don't right? know if,
1: if they're going to get it back But if, if I am an owner of one of those cashkoys and those things are coming back, I don't know, man.
2: I don't know how I feel about that cash call coming back. we got to reach out to our boys at Bifiga FM to get a hold of one of these Kashkois and interview them and ask them how, how their journey has been and what's, what's you know, the, the progress, what's the process. Are they going back home or are they going straight to leash?
1: Yeah, I think that Mariana and, and uh, Mag... Magda.
2: Yeah, they, they sent there's uh, a accent, there's uh, a She sent there's I'm telling you, they sent it in. We got to
1: figure out if those are coming back, but if those are coming back, man, I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about those coming back, especially uh, you know, from what we've seen during this this return period. But anyway, uh up next uh is Benfica uh against Fomalicão, which comes up uh this uh Thursday. Uh we're recording this on Tuesday. Dave uh 9:30 local on Thursday. What's uh, Famalicão uh, been up to? And, and they've been quite remarkable this season.
0: Yeah, it, easily the Cinderella story of this uh, this season. But they uh, currently sit in fifth position with uh, 13 wins, nine draws, eight losses. We've already played them uh, three times this season: uh, two wins, one draw. Uh, we beat. We played them in the semifinals of the TAS uh, at the Portugal. So uh the one draw came uh, february 11th and the uh, other two were victories uh like i said and since coming back from uh the covid break they've won uh three games drawn twice and uh won uh one loss there and they were the team that beat porto uh to start off the uh the the return after the covid so uh, definitely not a, a weak team. Uh they've always uh they gave us trouble there in, in February and but they will be without their uh, lead goal scorer, Tony Martinez, who picked up a red card against Tondela uh this past Sunday.
1: Cristiano, some will say that maybe Tony Martinez is about to sign for Benfica. <laughs> uh,
2: isn't this where the yeah, the old Gonçalves plays? I'm looking at the yep. list of players now just to confirm Guga, your boy Gonçalves, right? That's him. Guga. Yep. yep. Rodrigo Miranda. So there's there's a few few former Benfica players on this list mm-hmm. on this team. They have a fantastic, I believe Udo Udo's a Rasic, a, a player on loan for Valencia. They have you know even even Fabio Martins, a guy who's a pesky midfielder, a guy who's uh, high energy, a guy that could score, a guy that could cause a lot of havoc. They they have a, you know Pedro Gonçalves, another one, a quality player. Our very own, as I mentioned before. Uh, Diogo Gonçalves, they they have they have a pesky team, and like, like, you know, team that's that's absolutely punched above their weight this season. Former Portugal keeper, Vaná, you know, he's going to be souped up for this game, try to do everything he can to help out his old mates. So it's going to be a very interesting game, and hopefully it won't be, you know, as 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 nerve-wracking of a game as we saw the last game in, what was it? Tasa uh, Portugal, right? de yep. Portugal, where we struggle in the rain, um, struggle to put the game away, so you know, we'll see what happens, man. We we just – we don't know what type of team is going to show up. Hopefully it's the same sort of attitude and mentality starting the game that we saw in this, this past week against Wolverines in that first half. But, again, there's a lot of people pointing fingers to players, quitting on code. We don't know. We just don't know what type of team is going to show up. We just hope that um, the old Portuguese saying, shake line, camisola, and do what they got to do and get the three points and, and make things interesting for us fans.
1: Yeah, certainly a, a much harder test than than Boa Vista for Benfica, especially outside of Stadio de Luge. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to see what uh, if there's any improvements on the team and the team's attitude. And as Cristiano mentioned, uh, the intensity and, and really the desire to win games, we'll, uh, we'll have to see. And Dave, uh, after Famalicão, another tough t- test for Benfica. Guimarães uh, will visit Stadio de Luz on Tuesday uh week from today 9:30 local also and what's uh Guimaraes is is right there with uh with Famalicão in a table correct
0: yeah they're right there uh Guimaraes is in 7th and i believe Riouva is the one that's uh in between uh, Guimarães and Famalicão but uh Guimaraes has 12 wins 10 draws 8 losses uh this season uh, two wins, three draws, and uh, one defeat since uh, returning back from uh, the COVID break. And uh, we've already played them uh, twice this season. Uh, one was the uh, 0-0 draw for the uh, League Cup. And then uh, we also won uh, 1-0 in uh, Guimarães uh, in uh, the f- the first leg.
1: Cristiano, do you know uh, last time uh, that Benfica lost to uh, Guimarães and who the coach was?
2: Next question. Are you trying to set me up? I'm not going to answer that question.
0: You're trying to set me up. That was uh, Cardozo, Cardozo's last game, was it not? Where he stormed off uh, the field there.
2: The Cardoso push. That was Cardoso push. Yes. about to beat it. Yeah. It wasn't his last game, but he was about to whoop his behind. Look, let's talk about this. <laughs> Beach, this, this game of Nice team was who are coached by one of my very favorite coaches in the Portuguese league, Evo Vieira. I don't understand half the crap he says, but apparently his, his, his players do because they do phenomenally well. Uh they play quality soccer, create a lot of chances. He did well at Ri and now he's doing really well here with, with Vittoria Guimaraes. So credit to him, credit to him, and hopefully this yeah. is a coach that we'll see in you know on a much bigger team here down, you know, in the near future. Just not this weekend, buddy. Not this weekend. Yeah, they, they've had.
1: Uh, they they have a very interesting team. Uh, this uh, Guimarães team. They have the the youngster. Uh, what is it, Edwards from from England? Um, they also have Pepe, oh. who who is uh, who came from from Benfica. Ola John is also there. Uh, they have Andre uh, Andre uh, from from Port with Porto ties. Uh, they have uh, Flip. They they share. I don't know if it's Fleep or not, but they have a Teixeira kid, which is uh, the kid that
2: Sarah Bakery in Newark, New Jersey, and makes phenomenal stays. Not in Pop Six,
1: yeah. He's also uh, tied to uh, Porto, if I'm not mistaken. This Teixeira kid, Uh, but he's now permanently at Kimaraj. But they have a, a very decent team. Uh, and they've done they've done well uh, this season under Evo Vieira. So uh, I'm curious to see how uh, they will do against Benfica. And again, two former Benfica f- player Guilherme Muselis, man, don't forget him. I I don't know if he's uh, been playing. I think he's hurt. Oh, okay, but he's still there. <laughs> yeah, no, he's on it. He's been on the team. Uh, but uh, two very tough games for Benfica, and, and we really have to see how. Uh, how this lines up because uh up until uh yesterday Sporting was kind of rubbing their hands and, and thinking that they could probably still uh, overtake Benfica. But yesterday Mourinese did uh, did a number on them and, and they ended up uh, coming out of Murray Conch with only one point. So putting uh putting uh the, the, the win streak uh since the took over this team uh to an end. Uh but certainly uh Benfica. Two tough games with three points to to uh, lock up that uh, playoff uh, game uh, for the Champions League. It's something that Benfica definitely needs. And it's going to be another test for this team. And And this team has gone through so much this season uh, that uh, they're definitely going to be tested at the end of the season. As, and as I, I mentioned, we got Sporting the uh, last game of the season. Uh, so that's going to be very interesting, especially if Benfica okay. fails to... Uh, to clinch that uh, UCL I'm, playoff.
2: I'm very keen to see my boy Lucas Evangelista play a player who years ago, I even suggested on the podcast that might have been a good look for Benfica when he was at Lady at the time. Just a spectacular player. Now he's making his way, at, you know, making his his living at, at, at Victoria Guimarães. And the thing that I'm most intrigued about this game, believe it or not, is going to be the Andrea Almeida-Andrea Almeida matchup. I'm very interested to see what happens. I want to see which Andrea Almeida comes out on top. <laughs>
1: <laughs> very good. Um, I think that's all we have for this week. So next week, we'll be back. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure yet if whether we're going to be back on Tuesday since Benfica's game is also on Tuesday. We want to have uh, some time to uh, be able to watch that game. So either Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll be back. We'll recap the Family Count game. Uh, we'll recap with the Game Orange game. And we'll look ahead to uh, Benfica's next game, which is what Avsh after that. Yeah. you want to talk about rumors? No, no. What, uh, <laughs> what rumors do you have, Cristiano? That we can I, talk about. I
2: don't have any. I'm just asking, you know. if
1: Cristiano's sources tell tells tell him
2: that
1: the, that JJ thing is locked up.
2: J cara, carai, vamos, galera.
1: Calado also uh, mentioned that on CMTV that uh, he, he's
2: got confirmation that JJ will be coming to Benfica. So we shall see. We shall have more news on next week's podcast, so make sure you tune in. Check out com. Follow all the great projects on that beautiful website that, as Alfredo does beautifully every single podcast right at the beginning, where he says, we are part of the founding members of the Benfica Independent Project. So check that out. Tremendous articles. A lot of very, very talented people. I know I'm on that site, but don't look at me. Look at the rest. The rest are very phenomenal minds, phenomenal football minds, phenomenal business minds, great with all with their own independent ideas and opinions. So if you have your own idea and opinion and you like to write and you actually make sense, unlike me, reach out, send us an email, and guess what? You might be reading your stuff on next week on your very own Benfica independent page. So appreciate the support. Follow us on Patreon. I need a haircut. Alfredo needs a haircut. Oh, I got a haircut. Dave's got to cut that little mustache. Well, Alfredo, nobody can see us. I mean, you're looking at it like, look, Alfredo's showing his hair. This is audio. It's not video, Alfredo. We could have played that off. But yeah, nonetheless, follow us on Patreon. We got a lot of exciting things coming up here on, on Benfica Podcast, on Benfica and and all the other projects. Appreciate all this, the, the support. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Love ya. Wouldn't want to be you. Take care, everyone.